fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. As if. You're going to ask me. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Go Ninja. Go Ninja Go. Ninja. Go Ninja Go. Go Ninja. Go Ninja Go. 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 All right. Are you guys ready for this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we are. Let's, uh, in fact, let's, uh, my soul's prepared. How's yours? Oh, yeah. So let's, uh, let's cut out the other music. Let's just fade into the, uh, there we go. Green machine, gonna rock the town without being seen. Have you ever seen a turtle get down? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we used to talk back then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, kids, that's how we used to talk back in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Ninja. Ninja. Okay. Uh, embarrassing confession. Um, Do it. This soundtrack I probably listened to nonstop for the better portion of 1991. Oh yeah, why not? And maybe yeah, 90. We, we had it on cassette. <laughs> and and maybe 92. And maybe even beyond that. <laughs> it's good stuff, man. It's fun. Well, because I jumped on YouTube after watching the movie, I jumped on YouTube and I pulled up the soundtrack and I started listening to it. I'm like, oh, so many of these songs are so forgettable, but I remember them. <laughs> yeah, that's about that was about par for the course. Um, yeah, funny. Well, if you're joining us for the first time ever, welcome. Yeah, we, we are a podcast where it's a bunch of weirdos sitting around talking movies. Um, and I, I mean weirdos in like the affectionate Sam the Eagle uh, from the Muppets kind of sense. Yeah, in that you are all weirdos, um, mm-hmm. kind of a deal, but but affectionately kind of a thing. So um, I have my fellow weirdos here with me tonight, and we're here to talk about some mutant turtles. And uh, we've already talked, it, it's been a, a three-month extravaganza where we've covered the Coming Out of Their Shells tour. Then in December, we covered the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. And now in January, as we wrap up January of 91, we are covering Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Mm-hmm. Or as I, people can't see the uh, virtual background that I have behind me on our Zoom call, um, as I'm going to affectionately refer to it, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Electric Boogaloos. <laughs> That's what I'm calling it. Nice. Um, which I'm just going to do with every sequel. I'm going to somehow try to fit a Electric Boogaloo into every sequel that we talk about. 
Well, it's fine. Well, needs more electric boogaloo. Really. Exactly. Is it? Well, that was last week. I didn't bring it up last week, but the background I had behind me was uh, Backdraft Two Electric Boogaloo. Yes. So I think yes. it's. I think it's Duly highly. Noted. It's That's highly appropriate. Fire boogaloo. It is. Yes. So I think it's. Uh, I think it's important. We we try to offer a service here to those that come join us for the podcast. So. Um, but yes, yeah, so welcome. This is the 30 something movie podcast. If you have not been with us before, for some reason, um, glad that you found us. Uh, basically the premise of our show is we talk about movies that are hitting their 30th anniversary in the year that we are in. So right now, as this is being recorded and released, it is the year 2021. And so we are in the year 1991. So, uh, yeah, so we've so far this year, we've done Clash of the Titans, The Rocketeer, Double Impact and Backdraft. And we got some other great ones coming up soon. So if you want to check out all of our shows that we've done over the course of the last uh, five plus years, we've been doing the podcast. Um, Many, many hundreds of episodes there for you to devour if you so choose. Um, But head over to three zero podcast dot com. That's our website. And then uh, from there, you can find all that stuff. You can find links to reviews of our show. You can leave a review. You can leave us a voicemail. You can also join us on Patreon and become a co-executive producer of the show. Any level that you support us there. Um, you get access to a special monthly episode that we do that is just for Patreon subscribers. So if you want to go over there, help out the show a little bit, um, there are some other tiers and different benefits um, depending on what level you support us at. But um, we would love to have you over there. Just it's always fun to get to know more people and, and kind of meet people through that. So um, and uh, we just we really, really appreciate our Patreon supporters yes. that are with us every month um, to just kind of help keep the uh, help keep the fires burning here at the podcast. Yes. So, all right. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. So we have any news or anything like that. I don't think there's a whole lot of news going on right now, but, um, so we can probably just go ahead and jump on into, uh, we can go ahead and jump on into the ooze. Let's get oozed. I, I, there was a lot I could say, but I'm, I'm not sure. There is. You know. Well, and that's if somebody's joining us for the first time, we try to be a family friendly podcast. So yes. yeah, we try to, we try to keep it, somewhat clean um unless we're doing our microsoft excel podcast which is that's another of our patreon exclusives spreadsheet between the sheets that's spreadsheet right yeah (laughs) yes oh man hello what have we here (laughs) My, my name is clippy today i'm here to talk to you about find and replace Next oh, week, man. next week we'll be talking about filter fuse. <laughs> come on, come on back now. Are they now, destructive? <laughs> are they inclusive? Mm. <laughs> we always try to be inclusive here on the uh, Microsoft Excel After Dark podcast. Oh, man, oh. I kind of want to just do this now. <laughs> I know this part like if I had time in my life. This would be a thing. <laughs> Even. Um, even as a joke, like even if I didn't actually write anything down, I'd almost just go to like the Microsoft help website and just, just look up and it? see, just read it. Yeah. A little ASMR on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just uh, tap the microphone just a little bit. And uh, yeah. that's, that's the sound of sorting the cells alphabetically. <laughs> I think hey. you should do it and send it out to the staff as like, here's your tech tip. Of, uh, there you go. Tech tip Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> there we go yeah see how well that goes over see how long i keep my job as the tech director of the school district yeah 
you really want that You've, job anymore. I mean, honestly, well, you know, <laughs> Mm-hmm. You've, you've been a naughty, naughty data validation. <laughs> oh, boy. Lord. Oh, no. Yeah, let's do it. When working. The thing is, you're coming up with this material <laughs> way too fast, brother. Yeah. It's, I mean, no, I haven't. It's not like I've thought about it before. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's weak, when, maybe. When, when working with sheets and ranges, always use protection. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> moving along. Now, see, here we are. We're doing a kids' movie, and you guys made me do all that stuff. We made you guys. Okay. You forced me at at. Spread, Just checking. Yeah, you forced me at spreadsheet point. Yeah. <sighs> Go podcast, go podcast, go, go podcast, go podcast, go. It might go be, pay. it might be late at night. We might be a little punchy. Just maybe. maybe just a, just, just a tad, a smidge, just a smidgen, a smidgelet. All right. Well, our movie this time is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Two: the secret of the ooze. This one mm. came out on the 22nd of March, 1991. Mm. So about, what was that? Maybe about a year after the original Ninja Turtles movie came out in 90. Uh, rated PG with a runtime of one hour, 28 minutes. Directed by Michael Pressman, who also did Law & Order, SVU, and Blue Bloods. Producers on this one were David Chan, Kim Dawson, Thomas K. Gray. Uh, Chan did, let's see, he produced the Ninja Turtles 1 through 3 movies and Fly Me to Polaris. Cost, uh, let's try that again. Dawson did, uh, let's see, Mutant Turtles 1 through 3 and the all-new Mickey Mouse Club. And Gray produced the Ninja Turtles 2 and 3 movies, the 2007 uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, and Highlander, The Search for Vengeance. There can be only one. And yet there were like six sequels that yeah. went straight to video. <laughs> yeah. Writers on this one, Todd W. Langan, who also did the 1990 Ninja Turtles and some episodes of the Wonder Years. Cinematography done by Shelley Johnson. He also did Greyhound and Captain America, the first Avenger. Music was by John Duprez, who did Once Bitten, A Fish Called Wanda, and UHF. Uh, let's see. We budget for this one was twenty five million. Box office was seventy eight point six in the U S. and Canada. Flick Metrics gives it a fifty seven percent. Cinema Score did not have a score for this one. Uh, Paige Turco plays April O'Neil. She was in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three movie, uh, the movie Invincible, and the Stepfather. David Warner played Professor Jordan Perry. He was in Tron, In the Mouth of Madness, and Star Trek VI: The Undiscovered Country. Michael Sisti played Michelangelo. He was in the TV show Dinosaurs, and he was a Muppet performer on The Muppets Show. Leif Tilden played Donatello. He was in Dinosaurs and Life Form. Ken Scott played Raphael. He was in Showdown and Sworn to Justice. Mark Queso played Leonardo. He was in, here it is, gentlemen, Break Into Electric Boogaloo <laughs> and Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Kevin Clash played Splinter. He was in Sesame Street and Muppet Treasure Island. Ernie Reyes Jr. played Kino. He was in Red Sonia and Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, Francois Chow played Shredder. He was in the TV series Lost and The Expanse. Uh, Toshishiro Obata played Tatsu. He was in Demolition Man and Rising Sun. Raymond Sarah 
who died in 2003, played Chief Stearns. He was in The Purple Rose of Cairo and Manhattan. Kurt Bryant played Toka. He was in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie from 1995, and Con Air. Uh, Mark Ginther played Razar. He was in, uh, let's see, he did stunts on Die Hard, Ghostbusters 2, and Miller's Crossing. What's the rumpus, Mark Ginther? Uh, Kevin Nash played Super Shredder. He was in John Wick and Magic Mike XXL. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, slightly different from Teenage mm-hmm. Mutant Ninja Turtles, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't be Magic Mike Electric Boogaloo. You, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes. Uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles again battle their arch enemy, the rogue ninja Shredder. Shredder attempts revenge by obtaining the same radioactive ooze that created the turtles in the first place uh, and unleashing two new monstrous mutants, Toka, an oversized snapping turtle, and Razar, a fearsome wolf-like creature. When Shredder plans to use the remaining ooze on himself, the turtles must harness their ninja fighting skills to stop him. New York, a city where 8 million can scarf down their slices in safety, knowing that when pizza is close by, help, help is never far away. <laughs> Any luck finding a new place to live yet? Well, you know, in this market, it's actually very difficult to find good subterranean housing. <laughs> You'd think even an idiot could find a place down here. But no! Wow! And I thought all the really good dungeons were in Europe. The past returns, my son. Ah. Hey, guys, look! That's the canister that had the ooze. That transformed us all. Yes. Well, you're the last one, aren't you? Some animals are knocking down the telephone poles. Let them get their own cab. The next fight will be freak against freak. Take the ugly one! No, you take the ugly one! Which one's the ugly one? Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Cowabunga! The Secret of the Ooze. Don't forget, we're turtles! I'm going to start with a controversial opinion here. Mm. Um, at age... Well, maybe not controversial, because I'm going to preface it by saying at age 10 this was a better Ninja Turtles movie than the first one. Yeah, it was more of a kid's movie for sure. Yeah. I mean, the original was a movie movie. Yeah. I think. And, and um, to a certain degree, if I'm looking back on these movies with my nostalgia glasses, this one is better for me. I'm not going to say this for people in general. For me, this was a better Ninja Turtle movie than the first one. Now, I'm going to preface that again by saying as an adult 
watching these for the first time or just looking at them as which one is a better movie. First one's a much better movie. Yeah. But, and Pat, you and I are a little bit different on how we got introduced to the Ninja Turtles. I got introduced through the 87 cartoon. Mm-hmm. This to me is a little bit more in keeping with the cartoon, whereas the first movie was more in keeping with the comic. And I think if they got any backlash from the first movie, it was because it was too much like the comic and not enough like the cartoon. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, people funding the movie and whatnot were probably like, well, look, the the kids don't read the comic. So the kids are going to buy the toys. They're going to buy the, you know, lunch boxes. They're going to buy the backpacks, everything else, make it more like the cartoon. Right. So, so I, for me, that that's where I'm going to kind of preface that. I'm going to say that this one for me, having started with the 1987 cartoon and that being the basis, I still have not read the Ninja Turtle comics. Like I I want to go back and read those. I still have not done that, but for the way I got started in Ninja Turtles, this is a better representation for me of the Ninja Turtles that I knew from the cartoon, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but objectively first one, better movie. All right. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's true. I think this is sillier. It's campier. It's more amusing. It leans into the silly part of Turtle, whereas, you know, the other leans into the, the darker parts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a struggle anytime you have source material that has multiple jumping off points. You know, which which tone do you copy? Um, and I think a lot of the superhero genre struggles with that every time they're going to make a new film. You know, with Batman, how dark do you take it? With Superman, do you go dark at all? You know, there's always give and take when it comes to, you know, the tone of these type of movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you guys feel about this one? Like, let's, let's start off with that. How do you feel about, so we've, as we said before, we've gone through, we've done the coming out of their shells tour, um, from 90. We did that one last year. We did the first movie at the end of last year in December. And now, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. Uh, we've covered the, the two good Ninja Turtles movies. Um, after this, don't watch anymore. Um, they're probably not worth it, but how do you feel about this one? Because this one is I, this one is very I enjoy different from the, the first hell one. Out of it. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Puts a smile on your face, brings you back to your childhood. Very nostalgic. Hmm. Pat, you look like you're about to snap somebody in half. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, it's I, not me. It's okay. <laughs> I think uh, it's it's time for three questions. That about wraps it up. <laughs> Any uh, okay. I find. I, he asks each traveler five questions. Uh, I um okay, so I um interesting that this came out like the year after, mm-hmm. and now I think if I read it right, less than a year after. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I remember going to the theater um, to see Turtles, and then it was like all of a sudden I'm going to the theater again to see Turtles <laughs> Two. Right, you, you know what I'm saying. I definitely enjoyed the first one better um, or enjoyed the first one more. I mean, I'm not going to get into a value judgment of, of whether it was a better movie or a, you know, like that. And again, I think you guys, as you so eloquently 
said it just a minute ago, there's many different angles that you can look at, you know, when you're trying to say, well, is this a better movie? Is this a better kids movie? This is more of an adaptation from the cartoon. This is more, you know, um, I, I, when I saw this in the theater, I don't, I don't want to say anything negative, especially because I hope that, you know, there's someone that's listening and this is their favorite movie and that they're going to be, end up being a guest on the show and it's going to come back in my face. Um, me opening my big yap, but, um, uh, no, I, Some, I somebody, somebody kid, joins us at the Patreon level with a buy us each a new car. And then, <laughs> and then Pat gets on, we're like, Hey, and we'll have you on for an episode. Actually, we fly him out here. Um, yeah. and they're on the episode with us and, and Pat has spent the entire time, man, Ninja Turtles too worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, Big exactly. pile of garbage. Just a bunch of, person comes on. Yeah. I hope you guys are enjoying your new, uh, sports cars. And a, yeah. by the way, favorite movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Use. <laughs> yeah, that here's the key. And, um, and that's I, and that's the point at which Pat is like, guys, um, it's been a fun run, but uh, I think I'm going to retire from the podcast at this I'm point. Out. And I'm out. I'm out. I will see myself out. I fought the pod and the pod one. There you go. I fought the pod and the pod one. Um, so, so, so. I'm not going to say anything negative about the movie. Really, truly not. There was a lot that I liked in the movie. There was, I mean, I thought that uh, Kino was cool. Um, I thought like his moves, I mean, it was awesome watching him uh, bust a move. Um, the story about him, he played, was he, if I, wasn't if, he in the Donatello suit? Yeah, he was in the Donatello suit in the first movie. They liked him so much that they, Really found yeah. something for him in the second one. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. And I mean, you know, I, again, I think that the, I think that the costumes and the, 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 I mean, that worked for me, you know, it, it, I don't need CGI. I don't need all that other stuff. Like I know that I, I know that like turtles and monsters and creatures don't exist in real life like that. That's okay. But I mean, I thought that the costuming was really great. <laughs> My uh, some of the stuff that I bumped on, though, was like they changed the April O'Neil actress. And as a kid, that always messed with my head when Savick changed from Kirstie Alley to whoever the other Savick was that messed with my head. What like whenever they would change actors or actresses, it, it always kind of set me back a bit. So this movie just seemed to be like in a different world than the first movie. And I remember picking up on that as a kid, like, oh, wow, this is, this is kind of different. Um, and so, yeah, like, I'm, you know what, but I'm going to keep it positive. So that was one thing I noticed is that it was different. Um, I, I thought it was cool that they're exploring the turtles backstory. That was neat. Um, Kino was cool. There were some cool fight scenes. I like when they infiltrate shredders, you know, junkyard layer shredder coming back was, um, uh, Shredder coming back was uh, that was cool. I mean, hey, so you liked that the, that the Shredder returned? Yeah, that the idea of the Shredder returned. Yes, I okay, did. Interesting. I did. That was uh, one of the big sticking points when they made this. Was original plan was Shredder's dead, y'all. Right. I, but the executives really wanted him back for more toys and connection to the cartoon and well you know, this, that and the other thing. So it's interesting to hear you. It's interesting. 
Well, you guys haven't read the comics, right? Correct. You know, I've I've heard from people that read comics. No one's ever truly dead in the comics. So that is that is a fair point. So That's why I thought it was interesting that this conversation happened at the executive level because, as you point out, no one ever dies in comic books. They always find a way to bring them back. So it was interesting that they made a point of sticking with Shredder. Right. And so I'm, I'm listing all the stuff because then I'm going to then I'm going to shut my mouth. I'm going to let you guys talk and then I'll get into some of the stuff that I kind of wish the direction they would have gone. But I don't want to come out of the gate like with anyone misinterpreting. I mean, it's Ninja Turtles. It's fun. I could show this to my kids. I can watch it. I'll take from it that which I like. Um, I, I you know what? I really like the. Uh, uh, the vanilla ice thing was fun. I mean, it really was. And honestly, that's like. I mean, that's like cool martial. That's like fun martial arts meeting with like uh, a modern society of you're in a dance club playing hip hop music and like just doing doing spin kicks and taking guys out. I mean, it's kind of like that's that that was entertaining. So, um, I like that they were infiltrating the Foot Clan. That was a, that was pretty cool. You know, you've got to pick all. You have 15 seconds to pick the bells off. Doom, 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 doom. You know, oh, they didn't make noise. It was, is this enough? So I, I don't know. So there's my laundry list of, I mean, I loved all the stuff. The turtles looked great. You know, that was cool. Um, I'm going to be quiet now. I'm going to let you guys talk a little bit. Then I'm going to, then I'm going to say some of the things that I kind of wish they would have done. Well, a couple of things that I had read up was that, uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, they really wanted every one of the movies to after the, after the first one to stick with a closeness to the comic books. And it really seems like it was kind of a battle between Eastman and Laird and the studio that mm-hmm. they really wanted it to stay within the same vein as the first movie, you know, same type of atmosphere, look and feel everything else. And the studio was like, no, cartoon like we, we got to go more cartoon mm-hmm. i gotta i gotta have more i gotta have more cowbell and yeah. uh and they so they really <clears throat> right. exactly and so they really pushed so I, when i was reading up on some of the different bits and pieces of this one it was like at every turn eastman and laird had these plans for like well we think that shredder should still it should still seem like shredder is dead um but then we bring him back in the third movie um, however, the studio is obviously like, no second movie, he's coming back for this one. And they're like, okay, well then we really feel like this should be done this way. Nope. We're doing it this way. So it sounds like it was, it was very much a, you know, they had a clear plan for maybe how to keep this going in the movie universe and have it be something that, you know, continued that, you know, as we've kind of talked about that, that the first movie is maybe a better quality movie than this one. Um, but I think the studio was just concerned. And, and, and according to some of the entry on, on the IMDB trivia page that the studio was kind of concerned with, look, uh, this cartoon has been going for about three, four years. Now this franchise could burn out at any time. Let's get as many movies out right now as we possibly can. So that, you know, eventually, this whole thing, like it's going to become unpopular. Something's going to come take its place. So let's just churn out as many movies as we can, as quickly as we can, which according to some of this is the reason why you had such a fast turnaround 
from the moment they knew that Ninja Turtles one was going to be as popular as it was, they were green lighting. Yep. Let's go put out two. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, you know, so they're just trying to, I guess if you want to call it a cash grab, um, just to kind of make sure that they got as many of these things out as possible. Now, having said all that, I will say I vivid and I have not seen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two since I was a kid. Now, Ninja Turtles 1, I've rewatched it a few times over the years. 2, I have not watched since I was a kid. And I, maybe even more so than 1, and I had seen 1 a little bit more often, um, I vividly remember so much about this movie. And I think this movie resonated more with me as a kid because it was so goofy. And because, Mm -hmm. by God, Michelangelo's sense of humor and the stupid stuff he would say I'm watching this now going, oh, dear Lord, that's exactly what 10-year-old John sounded like. <laughs> you know, especially that whole first scene when they're fighting in the little, like, shopping mall area. And and that whole thing, he's just being so goofy and so weird. And he, you know, he goes diving into that, uh, that like, little food stall. And he comes up with the nunchuck sausages, like, the missing link. And he starts chasing after the guy and, like, yeah. This is totally, I understand where my 10 year old sense of humor came from now. I think it came directly from this movie. Yeah. Cause I'm vividly, every moment I'm watching it, I'm like Donatello when he finds the, when he finds that, um, like, yeah, I remember that being really hilarious when I was a kid and you know what? It's kind of dumb now, but I'm still smiling at it because mm-hmm. I remember how funny it was as a kid. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that, I think I was, I mean, I was, (laughs) this is not a loaded statement, Dennis, but I was not as old as Dennis was at the time, but I, and I'm not trying to play a card, but I think I was just starting to age out of that level of humor. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I was right on the cusp where I'm like, yeah, this is cool. But that like my feelings now are kind of what I felt when I first saw the movie. Like, I'm not going to bash it. I didn't bash it then. I'm not going to, but it was just like, okay, that's cool. There's more turtles, but uh, this wasn't, I kind of wanted a little bit more, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, That's interesting about Laird and East, um, Eastman and Laird getting kind of shut down on it. Well, one of the other interesting things about this movie that I actually, I've got the, I have it playing on my phone right now while we're talking and it just came up to the part where Donatello's, you know, pushing the clown. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the, and that so whole, that whole fight scene. We have a little clown. Oh, you do? In the office. <laughs> we used to punch around once in a while when we're frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this whole scene, especially right here at the beginning of the movie in this little shopping area, um, what I found really interesting was after I had read that, never knew this as a kid, obviously, but after I read this the other day and I went back and rewatched it again, um, at no point now Donatello does, I want to say once, maybe later in the junkyard scene at no point in this movie, do they ever use their weapons? Oh man, I just, ah, uh, I know 
it's so disappointing. Yeah. And then when you realize it was all about making it a kid's movie and you're just, I don't know. Yeah. That's why he uses the sausage nunchucks mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie. When Leonardo, the only time he ever pulls his katanas out is to shove them into the ceiling so he can grab them and do that, you know, where he jumps up real quick. And I, I want to say the only time is I think Donatello uses his bow um, in the junkyard. But I think other than that, I think he goes to like baseball bat whack, um, uh, Toka. And mm-hmm. I think that's the only yeah, time and you see the weapons, but they're yeah. never actually used. Right. Right. Never knew that as a kid. And now, <laughs> now I can't unsee it now that I'm watching the movie. I've watched mm-hmm. it a couple of times in the last couple of weeks or so. And, and now I can't unsee it. I'm like, look, he's got the swords like strapped onto his back. Why would he not pull those out and use it? They used them in the first movie. Yep. Yeah. I, I that was my first question when the lights went up mm-hmm. thirty years ago. I was like, "Oh really, dude? They like they didn't use their weapons." Mm-hmm. I, I that yeah that was yeah yeah. Go ahead. I, I was gonna say when I was a kid, you know, I I always loved Michelangelo's nunchucks, but at the same time, my other one, just the way they looked, I always thought Raphael's size were really cool. I don't think you mm-hmm. see those at all in this movie, do you? I, I don't do you okay because she's cleaning up the weapons um does he catch the pe- he catches the does he catch pizza the pizza on it, on it? Yeah, yeah and then there she's cleaning up in, in her apartment right and she Pino picks it up and, over yeah. and i think she's holding them or has them on the wall yes yeah okay. that's it yeah I always, I've always wondered. I know I've seen it in the movie with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but the size themselves, I've always wanted to know more about how they function as a weapon. Mm-hmm. I don't quite understand them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If they're if they're meant to be, you know, they're how how are they originally used? Yeah, it seems like they would be meant to be um, like a stabbing. A, yeah, a secondary weapon, maybe. Um, well, my simple my simple understanding of it um, is that, and I I'd never I've never trained with those, you mm-hmm. know, that weapon. But I think a lot of those weapons came from farm implements, right? Oh, like, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, like nunchucks were used for smashing down grain, and you know, like uh, I think size were like hand pitchforks. You know, is what they were originally used for. So, I mean, but it's, it's interesting because like in some iterations you see them, they're almost like it's a blade, but then in some, it's almost just like a metal rod, you know, but then with a point on there. So it kind of, yeah, there it's always intrigued me because I'm just not 100% sure I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know much. I don't know much more than that because you'll see them like catching swords you know what I'm right. saying? Like in, in the movies and in the cartoon and everything yeah. like that. But yeah, that was, I'll be honest. I mean, that was one thing that, that kind of got me is that it seemed like the fights took a step back in this movie. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, I don't need, I, I don't need this to become like 89 Batman. I don't need it to be like gratuitous violence. I don't need like, Oh man, I want my, I want my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to be R rated. You know, like I don't need that. But, you know, it, it, it did seem to be kind of like a, a reversion when suddenly they're not using any of the weapons and the fight scenes, there were some decent fight scenes, right? Like the junkyard battle with Raphael, but not, 
it's like as soon as it started to get going, then it would just become campy. And then suddenly, you know, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Suddenly he's chasing the guy around doing the zombie thing, like hitting him with a Nerf bat or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, okay. But like, I, I, I want to see a martial arts movie. Now I know it's not going right. to be like Bruce Lee level, but I mean, give me a little bit more. The first movie had some really neat choreography with the fights and everything like that. Um, allowing for these big bulky turtle suits. And I just felt like that didn't quite happen in this movie. You know, it was, it always went to a gag and all that kind of thing, which I, I kind of, I kind of bumped on that a little bit. Sure. I could do that. Um, the, the first movie too, it showed who the foot clan were, right. It was wayward kids. Right. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I know we've got to when they I know we fight with their masks on so that dehumanizes them and you can get a little bit more away with like bopping them and all that kind of stuff. But in the first movie, you kind of meet who the foot clan are. They're wayward kids. And it's almost like the karate kid thing. Right. Where there's, um, you know, the Cobra Kai kids are, are just, you know, their their sensei's beating on them and everything like that. And it's just a bad influence. You get a little bit of that in the first movie. You know, when Tatsu has his temper tantrum and smacks the kid around, right? And you know who that kid is. He's a kid that's run away from home or, just, you know, has been under this bad influence and all this kind of stuff. And then you see uh, the, the Daniel character who, like, he's rebelling against dad, falls in with a bad crowd, comes back. You know, like, you've got a lot of that that just wasn't in this movie that there wasn't that depth. It was a very superficial plot, you know, and, and not, I know that that's what they were shooting for. So I'm not going to roast it, but it was like a cartoon. You didn't have that, that, you know, character to show, okay, well, they're just kind of wayward kids. You know what I'm saying? Um, Or even that, like if you wanted to, to evolve it a little bit and say, okay, most of the foot clan got arrested. So who's left like the really bad, like toughs, right? The street punks and all that kind of stuff. And you see that a little bit, like when he goes in to get uh, recruited, remember that guy walks up, that guy had a cool look to him. The guy with the cap and kind of the long hair. He's like, all right, listen up. We're going to go. If you do keep up and this whole thing. And then they go and they train and it's just like, okay, you're all going to fight and we're going to take the best one. I mean, that shows the Foot Clan is, okay, these guys are like a street gang. This is, this is kind of like tough. You know, this is, this is cool. But then when they put the suits on and they're fighting, it's all that, huh, 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 and then like someone will duck and then they'll hit each other or they'll do, huh, you know, like it's, they make them out to be clowns. And it's just like, when you see them with the Foot Clan costume on and the sounds they're making and the way they're acting, that doesn't gel with what you see when, you know, they're training these kids, recruiting on the street. They're like street punks. You know what I'm saying? It's like two different visions. And mm-hmm. I guess I would have liked the former. I mean, the, when the one guy infiltrated the news thing and then all of a sudden he's kidnapping April, like that's cool. I mean, show us more of that. Like give us that. It was like, they, they had this good start to it, but then it, they just kind of went for the superficial. Um, and, and I, I think, you, I don't know, I think you could have still made it a kid's movie, but have that deeper level in there, you know? Look at the Clone Wars cartoon for crying out loud. I mean, that's like a totally a kid's cartoon that lasts 22 minutes, but they get into some pretty deep plots and exploration, oh, yeah. you know, in that cartoon. So that was just my one, um, that, that was just kind of one of the things that was a little bit of a bummer about this movie. I know that's not what they were trying to do. I like the movie. I still like the movie. 
You're right. They, they made some choices that make it a harder, harder to enjoy once. I think John made a really good point. Once you notice, you might not notice that they're not using their weapons, but as soon as you do, that's all you see. That this whole like, you know, the, the, one of the biggest one of the biggest things about the turtles' identity was their weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, their weapon, and then the color of their uh, of their um, piece. Yeah, how you told the how you knew who they were. Otherwise, they all looked the same. Right. So to take that away makes it a little weird too for me. Yeah. It's never, never quite got why they made that choice. And I think you can make a kids movie that's still entertaining for adults. I mean, oh, sure. they do it, it with all the time. Yeah. The, I mean, you see it now. I mean, there's some Marvel movies that are PG. There's some Marvel movies that are PG 13 and they're mm-hmm. all, well, I don't want to say they're all enjoyable. Some people don't like them, but I mean, you know, it's a joy. Look at Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, right? That was a great sure. action superhero, all that kind of stuff. I, you know, it's that comedy pieces. It's easy to let it get out of whack, right? It's easy to let it kind of get away from you. And that's just kind of what it seemed like is the zaniness just kind of got away from them. And again, I haven't read a ton of the comics. I mean, I've read, you know, read a bunch and I'm just saying like, I can get where Eastman and Laird are like, okay, we're not going to bring Shredder back for a while. You know, let's go in this other direction because spoilers for the comics, spoilers, people listening, audience, present hosts and such. But I mean, you know, they, they do run into some techno stuff and like they've run into the mouser, Dr. Baxter Stockman is the Mm -hmm. thing and they've run into the mousers. Right. So that's a whole thing that they got to contend with. And then there's one of the comics where it's almost, and John, I know you weren't as a fan as this film, but it's almost like Thor Ragnarok. Mm. Okay. Where there's this whole graphic novel is where the turtles are in some faraway land and they're fighting these, you know, different creatures and it's spaceships and laser guns and, but it works. It's a great comic book. I mean, it's really sweet. And it's like, Dude, they, they, I mean, if they would have just upped the maturity a little bit, like they could have done Thor Ragnarok 30 years before there, there was Thor Ragnarok. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it could have worked and they probably would have been able to make a, a few more movies and have more success with them. You know what I'm saying? If they would have just explored a little, a little deeper. You know, in the first one, it was a lot of Raphael dealing with his anger. In this right. one, it could have been Donatello dealing with, God, aren't we something more than this? Aren't we something more than a mistake? I mean, that's, dude, that's a powerful thing. Think about that. If they would have put that plot thing in there, like, I mean, thank God, like, I've never had to do this. But, I mean, could you imagine a kid thinking, like, dude, I'm just a mistake? I mean, yeah. you get some you get some halfway decent writing in there, and that's that's a plot line that could really kind of, like, kind of ring home a little bit, you know? Splinter telling Kino to like, you got to stay here. You got to meditate. Don't go rushing in. Right. Explore that one a little bit more. You know, I mean, like I said, that was just kind of the, the, the piece that I I think they could have, they could have had a little bit more of an in-depth, you know, a little bit more depth, not in-depth, a little bit more depth to the story. Right. They went with you know, they went with softer, more kids, and they could have certainly weaved 
and a little meat <clears throat> for the yeah. adults. <clears throat> and that's okay. Like, hey, if they wanted to make like a live action more cartoon, which is what they sounded like it, nothing against it. I love it. I still watch it. I'll probably watch it with my kids um, at some point. Love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It just kind of, uh, that was the one thing that was just like, oh, I, I think I think we could have gone in another direction. Well, because you, and I remember commenting last month when we did the first Ninja Turtles movie that as a kid, I didn't necessarily pick up so much on the whole theme of family and fathers and sons and, and that kind of stuff. But certainly as an adult, I very mm-hmm. much picked up on that theme. Rewatching mm-hmm. this one, exactly like you guys have just been saying, I there is the occasional, are we an accident? Are we, you know, that kind of stuff. But like you said, it's never, like they don't develop it. It's, it's too much... It's too much time spent, I think, as you said, on the jokes, on the one-liners, on the that kind of stuff, which kids are going to enjoy. But the adults have to take the kids to the movie. And I know that my parents would have taken me to see this movie. So I kind of feel bad that my parents took me to see this movie because <laughs> mm-hmm. I would imagine, unless they found the jokes as funny as I did, they were probably bored out of their mind. Mm-hmm. Because there is not much of a story here from an adult perspective. I guarantee if I was watching this for the first time, you know, last week, I probably would not enjoy this movie as much as I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I enjoy it because of the nostalgia, because I remember how 10 year old John laughed at these jokes and laughed at these different scenes. But if I was watching this for the first time last week, nope. Yeah. Well, and I think I think it's it's not just okay, you know, throwing a bone for the adults, but bring the adults into the fold. Show us that mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be R-rated for it to be a good story. I mean, my kids just uh are getting me to read this um what's this book? It's a book series. It's called The Warriors Book Series. Mm-hmm. And it's a, a I don't know if you've heard about it. It's a bunch of cats mm-hmm. and there's cl- it's an incredible world building. I mean, there's different clans and they've got different traditions and care I mean, it's just it's a really cool series and they're like, "Dad, you got to read it." So I, I used to have some re- students that were obsessed with that series. Well, I could yeah. see because my kids are all obsessed with yeah. it. D- Dominic mm-hmm. is reading it. Daniela is reading, is learning to read, and they listen to the audio books, and mm-hmm. they know all the clans and all the everything. And I read it in that first book. I'm like, dang, this is pretty sweet. And, I mean, there's enough in there that I'm sitting there as an adult going, oh, okay, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, you know, I mean – and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. It brings you in so then you can actually talk about something as a family. You know what I'm saying? Like you can get into it and be into what your kids are into without it hurting. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and that's where it's just like, yeah, I think, I think with a little bit different, right. And it's okay. They wanted to make a, like, I'm not, not, this is not a roast, but I mean, it, I think they could have just, cut down on the camp and explore a little bit more of these angles. Right. And I, I think you would have, I think you would have had a better movie. Tetsu was scary in the first one. In this one, he was like the guy that they all backed into and knocked him over. I mean, it was, it was like, okay, Star Wars spoilers. It's like what they did. It was the Boba Fett treatment, right? Boba Fett was, dude, he was tough. And then Boba Fett, Boba Fett, ah! mm-hmm. Wilhelm screamed to the bottom of the star, star, 
Sarlacc. And that's kind of what happened with Tetsu. Shredder, I mean, okay, you got like, dude, he's pretty cool. He's a pretty tough bad guy. But did he really <laughs> feature in this movie? I mean... It, well, he's so... That, that was the interesting thing about his character is that he is so focused on the idea that he needs to have mutants to be able to fight the Ninja Turtles. But I mean, I'm, and I was trying to remember, I was trying to figure out kind of like what the timeline would be. So clearly this is maybe only a few days after the events of the first Ninja Turtles movie, because you get the idea yeah, that it seems that way. Yeah. Like the, the foot people are kind of on the run, but it hasn't really been for that long. Um, you know, I, they've traded their really cool hideout for a junkyard. So that's not cool. Um, but you get the sense that at most it's maybe been a week mm-hmm. or so, you know, since the events of the first movie happened. And I, I don't get watching this now and being a little bit more analytical about the movie and maybe a little nitpicky on certain things. I do not get why Shredder is kind of convinced that he can't take on the turtles himself. He did in the first one because he did in the first one and he handed them their shells mm-hmm. in the first one. And it wasn't until splinter came and he got kind of enraged and he made a mistake that he ended up falling into the, you know, he ended up falling off the, the roof and ultimately falling into the garbage truck. But the turtles themselves, they were no match for him as a fighter. So I was never quite sure. Watching this as an adult, you know, as a kid, I didn't think about it. But watching this as an adult, I'm like, why can't he fight them? Mm-hmm. Like, he did perfectly fine the first time. And, right. and knowing, I would imagine, knowing that what happened to him the first time, he probably would not make that same mistake a second time. So why does he need these? All right. Well, okay. So that that plot point falls falls down just a little bit. Yeah. And again, I mean, even the use of the shredder, okay, he became the super shredder. Mm -hmm. He knocked the dock over on top of himself and that was it. And that was kind of like the biggest, like. There was no fight. uh, (laughs) Yeah, dude, that's kind of a rip. Yeah. You know, I mean. Well, I know as a kid when, you know, when you saw the trailer for this movie, I remember, and I don't remember how we heard about this. This was probably just like rumors (laughs) that were getting spread at school because we didn't have the internet. Um, But I remember hearing at some point when Ninja Turtles one came out, I remember somebody saying, Oh yeah. Um, Bebop and Rocksteady are going to be in Ninja Turtles two. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, that'll be cool. Mm-hmm. And then you get there and it's this Toka and Razor. And that would have been, I think that would have been fun if they hadn't had played it up as well. These are babies. Mm-hmm. It's right. a baby wolf and it's a baby snapping turtle. So they're going to act like babies and they're going to call shredder mama and like, all right, that's as a kid. I remember that being pretty funny. You know, I was at the age where, you know, all those, the whole thing of mama, that whole thing was still, you know, yeah, that, yeah, that was fine. fine. But now I'm looking at this. I'm like, man, I, if, if you had given a little bit more creative control to the people who actually created the Ninja Turtles, I really would like to have seen what the second movie would have looked like. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because then it just watching it now, as much as I still enjoyed it, it was very much a caricature and it was a whole lot of a man. There was so much they could have done here that would have made this better. 
And it yeah, just, it's, it seems like it's a, while I do like this movie and I, I, I want to make that very clear. I do like this movie. This mm-hmm. is one of those movies that it is, it is a bunch of missed opportunities. It, that's because mm, yeah. I, I was reading up on what the ideas were for this one. If you were, to, if you were looking from like the Eastman and Laird perspective, their ideas mm-hmm. were, well, maybe we could do the rat King. Maybe we could do Baxter Stockman and the Mausers. Maybe we could reveal that the ooze comes from this race of aliens, um, you know, that, that feature in the comics and mm-hmm. are related to Krang from the cartoon and you know, stuff like that. I'm like, I'm reading all that. I'm going, oh, that would have been cool. Mm-hmm. That would have been really cool. You should honestly, you should read, you should check out the comics. I know. I, I, mean, gotta, I, I gotta go find I, them. I mean, because like I said, like, and the ones I've got, like there's generation one and generation two yeah. and phase, whatever you guys know comics better than I do. But like I said, I got these initial ones and there's this one, like I said, it's like, it's like almost on par with like a Thor Ragnarok level. Yeah. Like, Whoa, now we're doing sci-fi. Okay. And it's good. It's fun. It's fun. Sci-fi comics. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would have been curious to see some of that. And I hate to always just pull it out as a card and say, oh, just go dark and make it gritty. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like you, they they stuck a, struck a really neat tone in the first one. Well, and, and the first one, even though it was a little darker, it's still fine for kids. Yeah. I mean, I saw the first one that came out. I was yeah. I would have been nine years old. Mm-hmm. Totally fine. Yeah. No problems with it. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing. The first one, when Raphael gets jumped, like mm-hmm. you feel the urgency of that fight. Like, yeah. oh man, he's overwhelmed. Like, how is he going to get out of this one? Yeah. Right. And he ends up, you know, they, they, they beat him up pretty good. Yeah. Right. In this one. Okay. They jump on him and he's cracking jokes. And at no point do you feel urgency. No. It's just like, Okay. I, I got to tell you this, and this is not going to really spoil anything, but I got to tell you when we were watching the last episode of the Mandalorian, has everyone seen the Mandalorian? Well, I'm not, gonna, I'm not really going to spoil anything. I'm going to keep it vague enough that okay. it's not going to spoil anything. There's a scene where a group of people are sneaking around somewhere. And one of the people says it's quiet, a little too quiet. Little too quiet. And the moment mm-hmm. that they said that in the Mandalorian, I'm sitting there, I'm going, it's Raph. A little too rough. <laughs> right. And that little, when they say stuff a little too rough, there's almost that glance to camera that mm-hmm. makes it just yeah. poofy. You, went, yeah. you almost want to see like a wink and a little twinkle in their eye. And, mm-hmm. and again, a little bit of that I can mm-hmm. deal with. Yeah. I mean, it, sure. it, because that would fit with Mike. Like, dude, really? Like a little too rough? Yeah. Like, uh, but when it's just every single thing. Yeah. And then meanwhile... I haven't seen any weapons. And then meanwhile, you know, and and Donatello loses. I mean, they lose their personality in this movie because in the first movie, you got the sense that Donatello is kind of, he's kind of pensive. You know, he's not as serious as Leonardo is, you know, he did things don't weigh him down maybe as much as Leonardo, but he's kind of pensive and he's, you know, I always remember him as being the scientific one. In, mm-hmm. especially in the cartoon. Michelangelo is the goofball. Raphael is the, you know, he's the, he's the kind of serious one. He's got the attitude. And then Leonardo is the leader who, you know, he's, he's kind of got the weight of the world on his shoulders in this movie. 
you don't get any of that at all. Everybody's goofy. Everybody's, you know, cracking jokes. Everybody. So it's like, they've all become Michelangelo. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the other things watching this as an adult. I'm like, yeah, that's not what I really liked about the turtles was being able to, you know, have their different personalities play to their strengths you know, they've got their distinctive weapons like we talked about, and that's that's part of what makes them what they are. And this movie, you don't have any of that at all. Yeah. You lose pretty much all that. Yeah. And, the, and there was no Casey Jones. Yeah. I mean, April Neal, I mean, the actress did a great job. Like, I don't want to judge. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what happened to the actress from the first one. I really enjoyed uh, differences with the producer. Yeah. Something really dumb. She was apparently they she felt like they had in the first movie, um, like they had mistreated the stunt doubles. Like mm. they had uh, either the working conditions or something like that. And she spoke up about it. And I guess that was enough for them to say, no, nah, we don't want you back for the second movie. Yeah. I mean, so. it was just producers being producers. Yeah. It was yeah. a terrible reason to not have someone back. And Right. Yeah. So... <sighs> Like I said, I'm, I'm trying to think. I don't want to just keep going. And then another thing. And then another thing. But yeah. like I said, there was just missed opportunities. Well, like you said, I should say, uh, uh, missed opportunities. And I think they could have. I think they could have had a really pretty, pretty awesome movie. Yeah. And to be honest, there's a, enough material out there. They could have easily had like three or four. Heck, they could have had five. I mean, you oh, know. Absolutely. I could, honestly, go, I could go six movies, Pat. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, um, I mean, especially now, I mean, now with where like, dude, unless you come out with a trilogy, that doesn't even count, you know? Um, right. I, I've, tr- I've tried to watch the new ones, the, the Michael Bay ones. And I, I'm like, I, I just, I haven't tried. I don't have, I I don't have too much interest in trying. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm just going to get angry. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we get, uh, I, before we kind of wrap up the last couple scenes or so, um, one thing I did want to say was this kind of comes towards, I'd say towards the end as they're developing their antidote for the mutagen. Um, and I, I do say I, I always will appreciate any kind of pre-fight donut. Um, oh, you know, yeah. that's, 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 that scene was awkward. If I'm I was going to start a rock band, I think I'd call it pre-fight donut. Pre-fight donut. Yeah. I think that sums up a lot of things. Um, and that, right. That, that whole scene is, is already a little awkward. The one thing though, that I think there must've been a deleted scene somewhere because otherwise it feels like too big of a jump where later in the movie, the doctor, what's his last name? Perry. Um, mm-hmm. he comes out and he says, just as like almost like a throwaway line. Yes, when I adjusted the mutagen so that they wouldn't be intellectually superior or whatever it was, he makes some comment about that. Like he actually actively mm-hmm. did something to make them more like babies or make them intellectually inferior. And that was something where, see, as a kid, I thought for the first half of the movie, he was totally on shredder's side mm-hmm. and that, cause there are moments where he's like, no, 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 we, I can totally make these guys stronger for you so that you can do whatever you need to do with them and they can wreak havoc and they can. And then all of a sudden he switches. And even as a kid, I thought that was a little abrupt for that. 
And so I think having him make that comment later in the movie of, well, I purposefully did this so that they wouldn't be smarter. And I'm thinking, okay, well, for the, at least for the kids in the crowd and even for the adults, maybe that scene would have been helpful Mm-hmm. to throw something right. in there. You don't have to show us too much, but maybe just show a quick little scene of you, I don't know, adjusting some setting or, you know, right. dropping something else into the ooze to make it so that they're not smart. But yeah. Yeah. Give us something just to. Yeah. All right. Well, before we, we before we go into our three questions, um, I, I do want to, let's, let's go back. I know we've, we've played a little bit of it already, but uh, I, I think we can't, move on from this unless we talk a little bit about the ninja rap oh yo it's the green machine gonna rock the town without being seen have you ever seen a turtle get down slamming and jamming to the new swing sound yeah everybody let's move vanilla is filled with a new jack boom gonna rock Roll the place with the power of the ninja turtle face. Iceman, you know I'm not playing. Devastate the show what the turtles are saying. Ninja, ninja, rap. Ninja, ninja, rap. Ninja, ninja, rap. Go, 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 go. Go, ninja, go, ninja, go. Go, ninja, go, ninja, go. All right. So one of the funny things I heard about the Ninja Rap is an uncredited co-writer of that is Frank Miller, who also wrote the comics Daredevil and the Dark Knight Returns. Nice. Okay. And uh, Sin City and like some of the other really famous. I was going to say Sin City and all that stuff uh-huh. too, right? And yeah. so apparently, and, and from what I read, apparently his, not that this is his only contribution, but that his favorite part of the contribution was the line, go Ninja, go Ninja, go. Ooh. And I'm thinking of all the things that Frank Miller has written that have become very influential in comics and movies and whatnot. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go was also his contribution. Yeah. It's an odd choice. Very well then. (laughs) (laughs) Proceed, sir. (laughs) Yeah. So how do we feel about the Ninja rap? Were you as obsessed with the Ninja rap as a kid as I was? I'm thinking not quite as obsessed as you were. Okay. That's probably yeah. true. That's fair. I don't know. If, I don't know if we can match that. Yeah. Obsession. However, it's a good tune. It's oh, a fun yeah. tune. Yeah, it was a fun scene in the movie. Yeah, it was, you know, it was an interesting way to tie it into, you know, ex- the current pop culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which isn't something you can always pull off. Right. Yeah, but it worked. It makes me think of how, you know, just what would it be? 10 years later, 13 ish years later. Yeah, about 12 years later, um, you would have CW shows like Smallville that would somehow magically like every time they have a school dance, the latest uh, prop band is playing their school dance. Right. on the CW show or somehow at the local coffee house, this amazing big time singer is singing in the coffee house in Smallville, Kansas. Sure, man. Like, of course. Okay. All right. Cool. That's, um, that's like with a, that's like the first night that I was, uh, down at U of I for college. And I saw a sign outside one of the bars that said, uh, it said Jimmy Buffett night. 
And for uh-huh. like for like a good five minutes or so, I was like, whoa, Jimmy Buffett's going to be here at the bar? Oh. <laughs> and then it took me a minute, and then I was kind of, I was summarily disappointed. And I was like, oh, you mean they're just going to play Jimmy Buffett music? I mean, I'll still <laughs> go, no but <laughs> I'm still going, but I'm now disappointed. It was the start of a long line of disappointing college evenings. Well, that's you know, that's, that's true. <laughs> nice. Then I just learned to forget about the musical acts and go to the Irish bar. And see, mm-hmm. that is thank, thank you, Murphy. Learned executive thinking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Learned what's really important. Yes. All right. Well, is there anything else that we want to say about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze? I love being a turtle. <laughs> I've said it before. I'll say it again. Man, I love being I a love turtle. I love being a turtle. <laughs> yeah, I like watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And yeah. this it was fun. It was definitely a fun romp. Um, so, yeah, that's I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to say anything overtly negative just uh it was a fun romp do you have uh we didn't really talk about favorite scenes or favorite quotes do you get do you have any you guys have a favorite scene in this movie or a favorite line in the movie it's hard because there's a lot of funny lines in this movie Mm um i always when i was a kid loved the line at the end when Flinter goes, oh yeah, I made another funny. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. How about him showing up with the bow and arrow and shooting the net down? That was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Creep can roll, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I got anything else to mention. Yeah, I. I mean. For me, probably just because 10-year-old John absolutely loved it, it's got to be that first fight scene in the little shopping area. Oh, yeah. Because it's just so goofy with with them doing the – Michelangelo doing the little tricks with the yo-yo and, you know, fighting people with sausage nunchucks and Mm – Yeah. First, we must observe the ancient ritual. Vanish. There you go. Ninja pizza. Um. First, we must observe the ancient ritual of the uh, uh, traditional pre-fight donut. Pre-fight. And then, of course, it's all the foot soldiers in the background are like, pre-fight donut. Yeah, yeah. That's that's another great example of what I was saying earlier. It's yeah. like, does that pre-fight donut, what? Yeah. what is this? Does that gel at all with those guys that came running back to the fallback safe house and said okay this is it oh man we're all you know or the guy that infiltrated the news van and pretended to be april's camera i mean does that image gel with those other images right you know or does it seem like it's just two different organizations right right or two different tiers within the organization yeah all right i think it's time for three Mm -hmm. questions he asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. 
What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Question number one. If you had to fight a bunch of crooks using a food item as a weapon, what would you choose? This was an interesting, sometimes I will ask the, the kids at dinner time before we do our recording. I ask them the three questions. There were some yeah. in, interesting responses for this one. I bet. I bet. Anything you wish to share? Uh, I think Sharon said, uh, she had a couple of different choices. She said, well, if it could be like a, a, like a longer piece, maybe a, a nice crunchy biscotti. Mm-hmm. Um, the other option, she's like a nice piping hot shepherd's pie. Okay. I, I wrote down hot soup. Okay. Nora took a darker turn. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was not, ex- I was not expecting where this went. She's uh, like, I'm, well, yeah, I wasn't quite expecting this one. Of course, John is like, I mean, I expect this from, from John. He's like, I would do one of those puffer fish. Cause they're like poison. I would like kick somebody and get them down and then like shove it in their mouth. Like, <laughs> okay. Fair enough. That works. That's fine. Uh, Nora, yeah, her and her. It was her rationale that took the darker turn. She's like, I would do um, really hot caramel because then it would stick to their face and burn their skin off like Two Face <laughs> from Batman. It's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, then. thank you, sweetheart. Let's go get ready for bed now. Okay, <laughs> and. Um, let daddy make a couple of phone calls. Uh, my choice, I decided to go with the, uh, I, and I remember hearing about this. I've never had one before. I've never even seen one in real life, but I remember he- reading about this or seeing about this somewhere not too long ago. Um, I'm going to go with the durian fruit. Oh. It is hard and spiky, but it is also extremely smelly, apparently. So hmm. I, I see that as a double threat. All right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm going to use the durian fruit. Durian fruit. I, um, I, boy, I, I, I might've gone the simpleton route. I was going to say like a can of tuna. You, you can hold it in the palm of your hand and you kind go. of bludgeon someone or, totally. or, or like a, a bottle of wine or a bottle of soda or something like that. There you go. That would be kind of a club clubbing yeah. type weapon. Yeah. That's about all that I could think of. All right. Bo, what do you got? I said hot soup. Oh, you're doing the hot soup. Okay. All right. Yeah. I didn't know if that was your, if that was your, um, who wants to be a millionaire final answer. I think it will be because I think hot soup. I like Pat's idea of the can though. It's Mm -hmm. soft because you can do a lot with a can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's true, but you can reach from a distance. You can pour hot soup off a seat off a roof. You know, uh, so. it's true. It's also true. Yeah. You got to be ready for all contingencies. Medieval style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You wait too long. It's fishy swap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Question number two. If you were Shredder, what animal would you try to mutate to fight the Ninja Turtles? I said an alligator or a crocodile. That, that was actually one of my options, too, that I was thinking about. I, I think I ended up going a different route, but I, I was thinking that'd be a pretty good one. I suppose what are what are what are a turtle's natural predators because you just want it to, you know, maintain that natural. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's what that's why evolution. I almost that's why I almost picked I think alligator or crocodile because I figured okay. well I bet an alligator or crocodile would probably eat a turtle. Yeah, yeah. I would just say whatever it's. I should look this up, but uh, uh, you know whatever its predator is, make that because then you have mm-hmm. hundreds and or hundreds maybe thousands of years of evolution that's like conditioning them that okay you want to go eat this thing so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's I guess what I would do if I was going to go against the turtles. Whatever their natural predator I had, is. I had two options that I thought were kind of similar to each other. Uh, first one, I have always wanted to, I, I've had this idea since I was a kid of making an animal-based video game version of Mortal Kombat, calling it Mortal Wombat. Okay. Oh, that's good. And so that I thought, like, if we could have a Mortal Wombat, I would totally do that, like a little little karate fighting wombat. Um, mm-hmm. Along similar lines, I'm like, yeah, but what would be like a, if you could make a mutant version of some animal, what would be a really good animal for this one thing to, to put up against four ninja turtles? I'm going to go kangaroo. Mm-hmm. If you could mutate a kangaroo and this could be like a vicious battle kangaroo. Yeah. Then I'm going to, I'm going to go kangaroo. Pointy yeah, teeth. Nasty, big pointy teeth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, I think ended up choosing a hippo. Okay. He thought, well, Ninja Turtles, the turtles can swim, can't they? And hippos can swim. And like, they've got big tusks and teeth and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's actually not a bad choice. Yeah. So. All right. Question number three. Final question. Who has the best superhero lair? I'm always going to be partial to the bad cave. Yeah. That was the consensus for the most part in my family. Some about it. You know, it's it's the Joker's line. Where does he get all those toys? <laughs> yeah. I think I think the Batcave is the way to go. You know, the Batcave usually comes with an Alfred. And really, yeah. what do we all need most in our lives? Mm-hmm. Alfred. An Alfred. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to top the Batcave. And I mean, you know, Zod got into the Fortress of Solitude and Batman pretty much maintains the Batcave. Okay, the Riddler got in there if we're just going with movies. I don't know in comic books how often, you know, he gets in there. But, um, yeah, got to be the Batcave. Well, don't forget, Catwoman usually finds her way in there, but that's usually for a whole other reason. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think I'm actually going to go with the Fortress of Solitude. There you go. But I'm, you might. but I'm going with the Fortress of Solitude from the comics, not from the movie, because the movie one is the uh, the, the crystally deal. Um, I am actually going to go instead with the Fortress of Solitude from like the old comics, where Superman, like it was this door in this doorway in the side of a mountain and Superman could unlock the door with this giant key that he had. At one point it was a giant key. And then I think at another point it was a normal sized key, but it was, I don't know, did he call it the atomic key? Whatever it was, it had like the, the mass and weight of the sun. Um, so only Superman could pick up this key and unlock the door. Okay. And, uh, and then they had all these different rooms. Like he had a, an armory inside the fortress of solitude that had all these alien weapons that he had collected over the years. And he's like, Oh, if I ever nice. have to fight somebody and I got to use a, I don't know, kryptonite gun, I've got a kryptonite gun in here. Or if I you know, need to fight somebody who's allergic to lead, you know, I have a handgun. I don't know. He had other stuff than that. But, um, and then he had like a, 
he had like a forge where he would make stuff and but the 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 flame in his forge was like a mini sun that he kept in there um he had a he had like an alien zoo of all these animals that had either their planets had been destroyed or whatever and so he collected them and he kept them in his alien zoo in the fortress of solitude and i don't know if, if it was old school comic book fortress of solitude not the richard donner crystally fortress of solitude um mm-hmm. that's the one i'm gonna pick i'm gonna go that one nice but the bat cave is always also cool i just feel like you're gonna have a lot more uh guano around in the bat cave well, sure and sort i don't know point. unless you have an alfred i don't know how you keep that off the keyboards well i think alfred's part of the deal isn't he <laughs> right right that was the way I understood the bad <laughs> Right, right. Well, I mean, but I, I feel like also, and I know he's a billionaire, but I feel like you're going to be investing in a lot of compressed air. I would think. Just to keep that stuff out of the keys. Yeah. That's super gross. Have the guys over at Wayne Enterprises design a naturally guano repelling keyboard. That's what you have Lucius Fox for, right? I That's mean, true. You know. That's true. I fight crime in a rubber suit. <laughs> really seals in the flavor. Um, <laughs> oh, oh dear. Um, well, you know, if they did come up with something like that, it would be the most bat crazy idea. <laughs> oh, you got to use the beeper. There we go. <laughs> got to use the beeper. For those of you just tuning in, he's been waiting to use that all week. I have. There it is. And, and if you're my kids tuning in, I didn't actually say it. I just pushed the button instead of saying mm-hmm. it. Well, you've heard that uh, Sesame Street, the count. Have you heard the Sesame Street count song? <laughs> is it is it the one? Well, oh, they no, just, am I thinking they, of something different? Is it the unnecessary censorship? Yeah, yeah. It's like that. And, and radio shows will do that gag, too. They'll yeah. take something and just add. But it's like... Um, it's the count singing the song about how he loves the count, but they bleep the word count. Yes. And it's just your brain takes care of the rest. And yep. it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. The 30 something movie co- podcast is my favorite <laughs> podcast in the whole world. I love to <laughs> when we talk about movies. And, yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was just dead air, folks. Yep. Okay. So I didn't actually say anything. We're still family friendly for the yep. most part. Uh, All right. Well. I think it's a do it for. Have we oozed enough? I I, I think so. <laughs> okay. I mean, turtles. I'm gonna go read the comics. Yeah, man, I like being a turtle. Really interesting. If you have, if you have like the earliest comics, I may borrow them from you sometime. Yeah, I. You know what? I looked I it up because them. I just I would buy the graphic novels, and I was looking yeah. them up, and it's like I think the graphic novels like enca- encapsulate like episode or issues one through eight of series mm-hmm. one, like. That's the hard thing is like, I just want a list. Just give me a list so I know where I fall. Right. Because original, the, originally the comics were black and white. Right. And there's some re-releases where they're reissuing them. And so. Yeah. Yeah. I got to look them up and see. Because when I went to go, I was actually going to buy them off of Amazon or somewhere else. And uh, when I went to go look it up, the I think the first volume of the mm-hmm. earliest ones is, I don't know if it's out of print uh, whatever it is, it was like $56 to get the first volume. And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, I want to read this. I don't think I want to read it. $56. Right. So I'll have to find it somehow. I, I go look at the local library too. I bet they have through interlibrary loan or something. I bet I can track down the first volume. Yeah. And again, I mean, like I said, I've got the graphic novels 
and how does that work? Like they probably have issues that were mm-hmm. like kind of like soft, like not, not or paperback, right? Like they were a regular right. comic book. Yeah. They waited so long, then they put them all together in one graphic novel. Right. Right. So. Yeah. Oh, here we go. I actually found it. Okay. Cool. I can. Uh, you, did you find the list? Uh, I found volume one. It's the ultimate collection volume one. That looks like mm-hmm. it's the, it looks like the it's ultimate collection. Yes. Uh, it looks like issues one through seven. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, originally, pub- they, originally published they, in 1984 through 1986. Okay. And issues one through seven An issue, it would be one of the little like actual, when I think of a comic book, a comic book, yeah, right? The floppies. Okay. Yeah. Floppy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's going to do it for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Um, thank you all for being here with us tonight. I think I'm, I'm going to play us out to uh, a little ninja ninja rap, maybe. Yeah. Why so. not? Thank you, John. There we go. Um, so, yes, thank you for being here with us. If you want to check out more episodes of our podcast, 30podcast.com. That's got our Patreon links. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail. You can check out all of our older episodes, all that good stuff. Uh, we would love to hear from you. We would love for you to be a part of our Patreon group and um, and uh, help us out there as well. Just kind of keep the show going. And uh, we get some exclusive stuff there for the Patreon subscribers. So go check that out. Um, but uh, in the meantime, we got a few things coming up here on the next few weeks or so we have finished up the month of january we are moving on into february february we've got father of the bride don't tell mom the babysitter's dead regarding henry the adams family and our patreon exclusive episode is on willy wonka from 1971 hitting its 50th anniversary this year so that is what we got coming up in the month of february thank you so much for joining us for the first part of the year here in january hope you enjoyed these episodes we will see you back here next week for father of the bride so thank you Bo, and thank you pat thank you john thank you john all right everybody be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. And go ninja, go ninja, go. Go ninja, go ninja, go. Go ninja, go ninja, go.